This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the Laredo, Texas Chamber of Commerce. Wishing all of us across the fruited plain from sea to shining sea, and heck, anywhere in the world, a very happy President's Day. In Laredo, they celebrate all month. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's the Laredo Chamber of Commerce. Turning up my headphones and, and just getting into the music. I'm moving sliders up and down on a mixing console. <laughs> and this is Ear Buddies. This is two real musicians, buddy. We're doing it. We're, you know, actually in the trenches now. Look at this. <laughs> well, we just said, I mean, yeah, we're, we've got chords coming out of everything. Speakers. Yes. I'm moving a microphone a little closer and then a little farther away from an instrument. <laughs> We're doing the work. But before we get there, Matt, before we talk about today's topic, uh, a little housekeeping. Earbuddy's Army, listen, times are tough. You know that. Matt and I know that. <laughs> and how. Inflation, the recession, etc. There's just so much working against us uh, when it comes to the almighty dollar. That every little bit is so gosh darn important. Your buddy's army, we're leveling with you here. Matt and I are on the precipice of making, what do we call it, buku bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Doing this podcast. We are uh, staring at an ad platform. It's a service in which uh, we could do legitimate actual ad reads for actual advertisers and be paid real human adult U.S. dollars in exchange for our endorsements of products and services. And you know we'll endorse everything. Of course. But here's the deal. In order to access this advertising platform, and I know this, sound, this is so nitty-gritty, but trust me, it's important. We need to have an average... Weekly download count that is just it, that's higher than we have right now. Not to say that you are not doing your job, your buddy's army. You're doing great. <laughs> you have been doing great. You download the episode and you listen to it. That's a service. Thank you. But what I'm proposing, and Matt and I have discussed this a little bit off mic, but Matt, I'm going to make it a little more explicit here on mic and see what you think. But what I am proposing is sort of a grassroots movement, uh, a little bit of militia activity from the army time to mobilize yes this is your assignment whenever a new episode of ear buddies comes out make sure you are on wi-fi if you don't have unlimited data on your phone plan but if you do then you can do this anywhere whenever a new episode comes out i would like for you to go and download oh let's say 15 or 20 episodes <laughs> Of our show. <laughs> Additional episodes, and in addition to the new one. You don't even have to listen to it. Just make sure it gets downloaded. 15 or 20, do that every week. And I think if enough troops complete their assignments, Matt, you and I could start making, as I said, buku bucks doing our show. 
<laughs> well, yeah, Tim, at this point, I mean, not at this point, at every point, it's always been a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always aware. been it's always been about money. Well, yeah, and and the ten. I mean, Ear Buddies is about a number of things, of course. <laughs> I don't need to go over them again. But we don't it's, need to. It's largely been, I think, what's come out uh, uh, just naturally over the last mm-hmm. hundred plus episodes is the the tension between art and commerce, and. <laughs> This is our art, but, you know, the invisible hand and everything. Exactly. I'm asking you to put, like, a weighted glove on your invisible hand and just put your thumb on the scale. Thumb on scale, please. Yes. Let's get over this threshold so that Matt and I can read you. Guys, wouldn't it be funny if Matt and I were reading sincere ads for things? Imagine how we would delight and amuse oh. you if oh. Mattresses Plus or whatever asked us for real to do a real ad. I'm hoping it's some kid's lemonade stand or something. I don't even know. Uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. We would just be so yeah, tickled to be doing that. So we can only do it with your help. Put that thumb on the scale. Uh, you know, yourbuddies.army and all that. Leave us a five-star review. Yes, 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 yes. Yes to everything, Ear Buddies. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matt, what are we talking about today? Uh, Tim, uh, here's here's the thing. Um, and I know how many sentences I start like that, so forgive me. But the thing is, music right now is coming mm. at us out of a couple fire hoses. There is yeah. so much going on, even in the last week or two. Oh, buddy. Right? I mean, nonstop. Super Bowl, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, uh, Shakira's releasing something new. Uh, everyone's dropping albums, doing features, talking yes. about it nonstop. It's crazy. Here's the thing there are only two of us. Mm. I mean, we are. Legion in the army, of course, but Tim, <laughs> it's you and me, pal. And yeah, we release every Monday an episode. We can't yes. possibly drink from this fire hose, so we need Impossible. to stay. We need to stay the course and do uh, what we have been planning on doing, which yes. is um, writ large a discussion of the importance of the unsung hero. Uh, the music producer. Ugh. You know, Matt, you are um, you're a real musician, right? You're you're in the studio day and night. I'm a I'm a real producer, and I'm, you, we're not going to trademark that. But yeah, I mean, I am. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just Johnny T listener, right? I'm trying to just enjoy some tunes. Even being sort of scholarly about music, being interested in how the sausage gets made. Um, the producer is sort of a mysterious figure in the process. You know the artist, you hear the song, you like the song, you wonder, who, who made this song? You look it up. Uh, you see, oh, it's a co-write between, let's say, Olivia Rodrigo and her producer, Dan Nigro. So when you're gonna tell did that too she thinks it's special but it's reused. that was and you're thinking okay i wonder who did what uh and i guess matt unless you're in the know 
it's kind of hard to answer that question, really. You, you're, there is some mystery to how every tune comes to be. But what we know at this point is that the music producer, the Jack Antonoff, the Dan Nigro, the Max Martin, they are these presences in the studio, in the songwriting process sometimes, that turn a an idea or maybe just a, a fully written song into the thing we're actually listening to. That's right. Gosh, I'm just it's it sounds so simple when I say it, but it is very hard to wrap one's head around, isn't it? Well, Tim, look, let me commend you here because I think you're giving not not the army. I think you're giving other people too much credit because do they wonder how this came to be? You know, oh, I know the sure. army does. Of course. Absolutely. And we do look under the hood and we kick the tires. But uh, I I mean, I've we've t- discussed producers uh, before and it is it is just kind of enthralling and depressing in equal parts to me um, how people sort of don't seem really to wonder how this came to be. For example, uh, Olivia is a. Uh, I mean, we're going to keep banging the Olivia drum for a second here. Yeah, um, That's a great example, because when she has come out with most of her singles and definitely her albums, there is just a, a wonderful fireworks display all across the internet, and everyone says, wow, she's really got it. This girl's got something special. Yeah. And uh, that's true, 100%, no disrespect, mm-hmm. but the people who are talking about Dan her producer, are few and far between. That's right. We kind of teed this episode up in our our planning process to be around the Grammys, right? Because we thought, hmm, maybe old Dan, who's a producer we admire for reasons we'll talk about here in a second, um, maybe he's going to come home with some hardware, right? Uh, But ultimately, that did not happen. Olivia didn't really, uh, I don't think she got any awards at the Grammys this year. It doesn't matter. We thought, we said that. It doesn't matter. Don't stress about it, girl. And don't stress about it, Dan. But this particular relationship, this, this duo of Olivia Rodrigo and Dan Nigro is so exciting to me and interesting to me because of like how exclusively Olivia seems to like trust her work with this dude, right? Like it's, it's Olivia and Dan on essentially every track, like you yeah. said. Yeah. For an artist who is just getting her feet wet, you know, she's got two great albums um, and has had a good stretch of singles. To trust, I guess, a person with their work so fully to mesh as well as they seem to in the studio. It's really interesting. And you and I got to thinking about Dan and like... Is this the next, you know, wonderkind producer? Is this the guy that everyone's going to be lining up to work with here down the road because of because of the success he's had with Olivia, as well as other artists who are like not as big of a deal, but like kind of hot indie pop darlings, yeah, buzzy for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah, buzzy newer artists. You were with your friends partying when the alcohol kicked in. 
you know, is this going to be like, are we going to five years from now say we are so tired of hearing Dan Nigro? <laughs> right. Will he replace our good friend Jack? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the question. So I'd like to sort of pick your brain. Like, what's happening there? What when Olivia writes a song, say, and uh, brings it to her pal Dan, say, how do they, how do we get from that piece to what's ultimately on the radio? Now, pal, I want to just warn you that you are asking me a question um, that I have a six or seven hour long. <laughs> run-on sentence answer to um so good (laughs) i won't do that but that i mean that is the question here and yeah it's it's very very important to i mean to understand both you know dan and olivia and that whole operation and also just the role of a producer uh Mm -hmm. because a, a quick thing i'll just say not to this is not self-promotion, God forbid. But like, <laughs> I started writing tunes back when I was a boy, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize that what I was actually doing was also producing them. I just thought that writing the song meant like, it's you know, the drums, bass, keys, guitar, the whole operation, like that's writing the song, right? Yes. In my head at the time, sure. that... that is the song is it not right like it wouldn't have been the song if it was just uh an acoustic guitar and a vocal yeah or like or like strictly a vocal in some cases well yes yeah even yeah because that's how a lot of a lot of them start right Mm -hmm. or like maybe just uh uh lyrics even or yeah yeah. sure um so that was that was what i thought so for a long time i was like oh i'm I'm a songwriter not really realizing that what i had been doing for as long as i'd been writing was Mm -hmm. also producing now Mm -hmm. It's important to uh, for me to say here that like we don't have to think about it in terms like that. I still sort of do, um, but I don't want to muddy the waters here. Uh, so often, what will happen is a an artist mm-hmm. has an idea, right? They have artists are just full of ideas, really. <laughs> <laughs> they I might was going to say, dude, of course the artist has an idea. Brimming, brimming. Uh, overflowing with ideas. Oh, can't and they... sleep at night because it's the, the brain will not cease. <laughs> they come into the studio with their 10-gallon pail full of their ideas. And... And this is, again, I don't know if this is exactly to the letter how it works with Olivia and Dan, but this is generally how it works. Yeah, uh, you, speak you generally. Com- that's Yeah. You, <laughs> you come in and you say, here are all my ideas, or here are a few of my favorites. And yeah. you maybe sit down with your guitar or on a piano and you sing a little ditty with a little mm-hmm. chord progression. And if you're a young artist like... Uh, I mean, many of the buzzy ones, you know, on the rise now. It's like yeah. uh, they are young. They don't really know what they know what they would like to hear, but they do not have any idea really how to like create that on their own. Hence, the producer. Yeah. So they will sing, um, let's say, a handful of of ideas, and 
a good producer will say he'll pick out the the right one, the best one. He'll say that's there's something there, mm-hmm. uh, and then he'll say, okay, let's let's uh, let's work on this. You know, let's do something with it. Yeah. Um, and from there, from that point, buddy, I mean, all bets are off. It can go any. I mean, any direction the artist wants. Which, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here either, but. With Dan and Olivia, I think what's what's very um, what works very well with that relationship yeah. is that Olivia, and many times in interviews, has said that you know she grew up listening to her parents' music, of course, as we all do. But being however many years younger than the millennials, her parents' music is different than our parents' music was, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. Weezer and uh, Bikini Kill and like '90s sort of grunge slash alt rock, etc. And Dan used to play in a rock band. He grew up um, kind of cutting his teeth, listening to... As tall as lions. Yes, that's right. Yeah, And, and he knew already intimately the kind of vibe that Olivia was going for and so it just sometimes things don't click sometimes if you're a rock artist and you get in the room with a country producer you say this is not where Mm -hmm. we want to go and you find somebody else but with them it's like he has so far been able to you know take her her ideas and Mm -hmm. realize them in a way that she's very happy with and I'm sure he is too everybody loves it Um, yeah but Having said that, it is interesting that there is not more praise for Dan and producers in general because we all loved Driver's License. We do. And, and that could have been, that melody and that chord progression, it could have been a rock song. It could have been one acoustic guitar. It could have been a trap beat, right? It could yeah. have been anything. Crying. Buddy, what's, yeah, what, okay, what's, what's crazy to me is you are right, that chord progression and that melody could have been a hundred other things, but that is so... I, not to blow smoke, my pal, but that's one of those... That's, like, very hard to imagine for anyone who is not, um, like, I guess, deeply musical, maybe. And I guess that's sort of the the hurdle one has to jump over, I think, to really get a grip on, like, the scope and the importance of the work of the producer. That, like you said, buddy, when you're a kid and you're writing a song... This is how I perceive it too, buddy. When I think of writing a song, I think you know exactly what every drum hit sounds like and you know exactly what the bass groove is mm-hmm. and you, you know, you know the lyrics, you know the chords, you know what instruments you want to play, what pieces of the chord and all of that, right? right. But I guess functionally like in the biz that is just not the case. That's I, that's exactly right. You're right. Yeah. Dan Nigro has has said in interviews before that he loves it when people bring him like an idea um, 
And when he says an idea in this case, the quote goes, I love people bringing ideas to me because I love sitting down at the piano and figuring out what the chords are. What's the mood? Is it a fun song? Is it a sad song? I love mapping those pieces out based on the words of a song. End quote. (laughs) He's saying that people bring him just some words sometimes. And it's his job to suss out what the right chords are to like, he just takes fragments of sentences and finds the songs in those words. That's kind of, that's nuts. Like what a, what a big task. (laughs) Well, like I I know I, I, I sound, I feel like I sound like I'm, putting it on or something but i genuinely think that's an amazing skill for someone no to have. well look look i so i i have read a number of his interviews i did not realize that he was doing that although if i think about it for a minute i suppose right like because mm-hmm. people are coming in with uh just barely even like birthed ideas right yeah. like just almost nothing and again like a good producer will mm-hmm. be will know what to do with that right and that's yeah. for Dan and I think for a lot of producers like that that is exciting right you get mm-hmm. uh, cuz it at, it can go anywhere the right. the universe is yours at that point but it is it is strange to I'll, I'll say just once here because I don't we're allowed to say this cuz we are real musicians but <laughs> it is it is so weird to me that like you don't you, like you don't have a melody with a chord progression underneath at least when you come in. Yeah. And and again, right, like having known you and and your songwriting process for so long, Matt, I'm sure that's that colors my perception of this whole thing. But I can't imagine you just writing an isolated melody without context underneath it. Like the chords provide context for a melody. A melody could could sound one way and then totally different if you switch from major to minor chords. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, exactly. It can work over uh, any number of chords. Wild to imagine people just being like, "Here's a melody. What do you think this should <laughs> sound like?" Can you do like? anything with this, please? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that is that is man, this bizarre to think about. And like, and I'm not, I'm not. Again, I'm not shocked here because I've, I mean, I've done quite a bit mm-hmm. of stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, for other people, but it's. It's so strange because you you so, sort of wonder like, okay, so this is all my job, <laughs> right? Okay, look, and sure. I say that I say that uh, just in a in a kind and gentle way because yeah. with Dan, once again, we come back to why is he not getting thrown parades, right? Totally. Like you, and I, I say Dan. There are many other examples. Like yeah. he he's building these things from the ground up and i don't want to say on his own because it's collaborative but like mm-hmm. he has his uh bedroom studio in mm-hmm. los angeles and like he's playing the guitar he's playing the bass he's programming the drums he's like mm-hmm. basically everything you hear with the exception yeah. of olivia's voice or or uh any of his other artists like that's dan like, that's him. Yeah. So part of the reason this is kind of a hard episode to pin down is unless 
the artist and the producer and the engineer or, or whoever like decides to open it up, the studio is sort of a black box. Like what goes into it and then what ultimately comes out of it, the process is going to be different for every artist. It's going to be mm-hmm. different for every producer. It's going to be different for every song. I mean, I'm sure there are some Rodrigo tunes, for instance, that are that were pretty fully formed when she brought them to the studio and to work with Dan and get them produced. But then there are others that I'm sure were just little, little snapshots, little nuggets of ideas that needed to be massaged and, and you know, flattened out and, and fed and turned watered. into. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And turned into what we end up hearing. You, you kind of have to speak in generalities a little bit around this stuff. Unless, again, you, you find artists or producers who are willing to open the kimono and say, like, yeah, here's how this song came to be. Which, fortunately, Dan and Olivia tend to do with their stuff. They're happy to talk about their process. I met a guy in the summer and I left him in the spring. He argued with me about everything. He had an ego and a temper and a wandering eye. He said he's six foot two and I'm like, dude, nice try. Let's talk about like why we think he's so good though. You know, producers also have like taste. They have tendencies. They have patterns. Oh um, boy, and, and how. And we and you and I have acknowledged how tired we are, for instance, of Jack Antonoff's patterns and tastes and certainly the way he works with Taylor, but really the way he you know, you can you what's fun, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is looking at a producer's like stable of artists and finding the commonalities. Getting mm. a sense for like what does this guy do differently? that is um, working so well for you and me. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I mean, I think I think to, to start uh, building the pyramid at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, he has his pop sensibilities are... Uh, Primo. Yeah, very, very good. And that that's yes. at the bottom because it is so broad and so general. What does that mean, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. he... I mean, he's he's making pop tunes, um, yep. and that's that is a hard. He's making good pop tunes. That is yeah. a hard, hard, hard thing to do. I can't think of anything more difficult. If I'm being honest, that's at the foundation of it. But well, you know, he played in As Tall as Lions, which is a, a rock band, and he's got he grew up listening to a certain kind of music and developing his taste in a certain way, and mm-hmm. his he brings an edge and sort of a like a dirt or a grit or something mm. to definitely Olivia, but also yep. I would say like uh Chapel Roan, right? Who's uh, she's a, a buzzy new one. And, and that stuff is very pop. It's like Marina and the diamonds, almost Gaga type pop. Very, very Gaga. Yeah. But there's still, and so you, you know, you have that pop sensibility throughout but it's not clean as a whistle 2010s um Katy Perry style Max Martin production right there's there's mm-hmm. some really interesting like looser ends or sort of um messier uh elements of it that I really love you know i mean i i love yeah. a i love a a trim clean song with no fat on it but i i love an intentional uh sort of uh, dust bunny totally uh 
you know, you are hitting a lot of this of of the DNA that I love too, and I think it's Olivia Rodrigo and Chapel Roan, these two artists who are who like whose only commonality, I guess, is that they're women, <laughs> like uh, they are, and they're pop artists, like, but they are making such different shades of pop like it's not avril lavigne versus lady gaga but that's kind of a good those are like sort of the the two like color zones they're they're yeah yeah i think i think that's fair to say but what are they both doing and like what can what can one infer is likely kind of the the nigro effect i would say yeah it is pop sensibility it's this foundation of like what is pop? It's catchy. Uh, and it's fun. Dan loves to uh, have, I think, like spoken word and like, mm. like the very first thing you hear Olivia say in track one of album number one, Brutal, you hear her like say into a microphone, I want it messy. And Chapel Roan is very, like, almost like stage performer chic. It's like Vegas. Um, it's, yeah, it's Vegas. It's, you know, Moulin Rouge or something. There is some shared DNA there. There's vulnerability to both that it seems like it seems like Dan recognizes that making oneself vulnerable um, is like generally going to be like super effective <laughs> at, at making something that that connects that's, with the audience. Okay, that's really that's really well put because I was going to say I was going to hit that point from an entirely different angle, and the words I would use, although mm-hmm. I I fully agree with the vulnerability. Uh, is like drama and bombast, right? Dra- like, yes, and, absolutely. And which seems like because you talk about vulnerability and you start thinking uh, like acoustic confessional singer songwriter dashboard <laughs> dashboard confessional. Yeah, uh, right. That's not that's not this. But no, but it, it's no less vulnerable for that. But the mm-hmm. the drama of those spoken word phrases, right, and the the drama of that mess and the drama of the burlesque. And the yes. showboating uh, of the the Vegas stage with with Chapel Roan is like that all like factors into it, and I think there's like doing that theater kid type of thing is mm-hmm. also very uh, you know <laughs> there's a lot of vulnerability in that too. I think. totally, totally, and and like Olivia and Chapel Roan are both theater kids, but like very different types of theater kid i think oh but yeah 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 i know i just i think it's it's very cool that like I, man i don't know if he's going to uh take jack's crown um but i hope there is some sort of a fight but like you see <laughs> yeah so many so many women clearly mm-hmm. love working with jack and yeah. more and more women younger women mm-hmm. love working with dan and it's like okay, so they're both doing something right in that sense, right? Like that's yeah. and and allowing space for that type of vulnerability. Because another thing, uh, 
I'll just briefly mention is like collaborating as an artist with a producer is, uh, I mean, it's often like, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but it's like a therapy session mm. for a lot of people, right? Uh, sure. It's your art, it's your words, your thoughts, your heart, your soul, your brain, and you're, yep. you're offering this on a silver platter in pieces to somebody else saying, can you, can you get this how it sounds in my head? Well, and, and to that end, buddy, like it sort of seems like um, what Dan is able to do with these artists is, yeah, like encourage them to kind of bear their souls in in songwriting form and make sure that that comes across in the record. It's not emo, but it's like emotions very much on the surface. With, yes. With pretty much every song that he's produced that I'm not a ton of. of subtlety. That's right. No. Yeah. No. And, and like, that's kind of what we want out of music right now. We, the culture for good or ill, like that's what we're getting from Noah Khan types. It's what mm. we've been getting from Taylor Swift. So yeah, like I, I've got to think, and I, I hate to say this, man, but there must be like trust has to be so important in, in the studio. Do, to your knowledge, Matt, as an insider, do artists like churn through producers before they find, quote unquote, the one, generally? Often, yeah. Or, or I mean, you can get I bet. you can get lucky right away. Um, like mm -hmm. Dan, I think uh, he hit up Olivia on Instagram and said, yep. we should do something. And it just clicked. There you go. Yep. Uh, but... You know, you can, and you you look if if we look, which we do, which the army we does, do. you can see uh, sort of how that works because uh, you can you can kind of tell when an artist has found the person that they want to be with. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, Taylor found Jack, and she said, "I'm set." I'm good. Um, yep. If, Talk to you guys for, later. For good or for ill, really, um, and. There, I mean, once you get to a certain level, I think like, um, like on a, I don't want to crack this egg open, but on a Beyonce album, mm -hmm. one of those has, I don't know, forty producers, right? And sure. that's that's big ticket stuff. Um, but yeah, I and, think. Hmm. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to break this egg open either. But like, not being, not being a very deep Beyonce listener yet i plan on changing that but but when you get into those big you know pop by committee situations as you've called it before matt i think you end up with products that intentionally or not feel a little colder like feel a little more like as you said sort of like not a hair out of place every everything is just this like perfect pop sort of like edgeless thing like that's not to I, I do not mean this as a dig in any way, but like Max Martin generally gives gives us a lot of that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And sometimes that's to the artist's preference. <laughs> right. But I just sort of think, yeah, the more the more cooks you get in the kitchen, yes. the less you're actually reading from a diary and the more you're getting, you know, something that was workshopped. Buddy, that's exactly right. I and I think like like this is this is part of the Swedish pop machine that we've discussed. This is mm -hmm. because Max Martin himself has become a machine. 
Uh, yes. And and I think like that's absolutely true. For example, with Ariana, right? He's yeah. working on that one. Her yes. stuff is pristine, dude. It is yes. see through. It is, and that's with her voice and the way that she wants her pop music to sound. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she wants. But I fully agree. I think there is like. Tim, you know what? I hate to say therapy because I don't think that uh, writing ought to be therapy. That is a whole nother substack. <laughs> but for you to say with the, the trust thing, like that is hugely important, and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't shy away from saying it because trust, uh, like you can tell somehow, right? If if like this relationship, uh, if it bears fruit in that way, and mm-hmm. you have to trust. Uh, the person that you're giving your art to, your big bucket of ideas, to Oof. make something happen with it. But then, but that we, I mean, this is rarely the artist's fault because they're not the ones who aren't crediting their producers. But mm-hmm. we need to, I think as a culture, pay more attention to the importance of that. Like the Bingo. Beatles, we all love the Beatles. Eleanor Rigby, unbelievable song we've talked about it we have the beatles did not write those string arrangements george martin who was their longtime trusted producer mm-hmm. he arranged those he brought them to the four lovable lads from liverpool and he said what do you lads think of this and they said that's great let's do it they didn't write that but in our in our mind like that is the song it's the is beatles it right yeah that's yeah. the beatles oh Yes, this is right. Let's leave it here, Matt. Just to, yeah, like, and, I understand too s- much. <laughs> and say, though, that I hope what a person takes from this discussion is that a producer is integral to the, to the creative process. Yes, it, would, it, it, and it, it could not happen without. And an artist can be one's own producer, as you said, Matt, uh, you know, like, like you had done for so long in your bedroom. Um, but... It, it like when that's not the case i it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer that we're not like familiar with more producers names it's we should be hearing about these people and getting to know their work get to know their dna like what properties do they bring to all their music yeah i yeah it's it's just it's worth knowing because it does make it does make for a richer listening experience. Just purely as a consumer, it's worth knowing that stuff, I think. Very much so. Yeah. I I wouldn't I'm not gonna I haven't thought about this enough to back it up, so I'm not gonna really <laughs> say this. But it's mm-hmm. almost like it should be like Sonny and Cher or Hall and Oates. It should be like Olivia and Dan, Taylor and Jack. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. That's right. He's the only guy. He's the only dude who gets it. He's the only guy who... That's incredible. <laughs> Macklemore, God bless you, buddy. I can't... He said, <laughs> my producer is uh, necessary. Equal He's the linchpin yes. of, of this work. I'm putting him in my name. <laughs> he gets it. Yes. That's His name really is on the good. record. On the That's cover of the really record. really good. That rarely happens. Fabulous. Macklemore. You mean Macklemore being again. right? Or you mean... <laughs> no, Macklemore's always been right. I <laughs> well, I know what, you know, that's right. What am I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a really good pull, Tim. That's exactly what I mean. Yes. 
This is what I do, Matt. I finish your sandwiches. Thank you. Ear Buddies. We'll continue in a moment. This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by President's Day. Happy President's Day, man. Happy President's Day, Tim. How are you celebrating? Well, Tim, I, if nothing else, (laughs) if nothing else, am a believer in the American experiment. (laughs) <laughs> I think I've made sure. that clear. Well, any yes. <laughs> any anyone in the Ear Buddies army knows that at this point. And I feel like I celebrate President's Day sort of every day. Uh, that's right? Yes, I mean, okay, I have quarters and dollar bills in my pocket. I have pennies and $5 bills. <laughs> every now and then I'll get lucky it's my birthday I have a 20. Andrew Jackson himself. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> You know, we let's talk about that guy. <laughs> that is not. Um, but we live, we live in a nation, frankly, of presidents, and and we have one right now. And yeah, and, and well, <laughs> we sure do. And and to your point, Matt, the, the ghosts of these guys. And I say <laughs> because guys, it's guys. Because, well, hey, listen, at this at this juncture, it is all guys. Not our fault. It's certainly not our fault. Uh. But these, the ghosts of these guys linger. They follow us. Or they're looking at us through our jeans pockets <laughs> and in through frames in mm-hmm. businesses. Their first dollar bills. That's, you know, that's right. And in courthouses, like, uh, on the off uh, the back of like a, a pickup truck sometimes, and on and enshrined on gigantic rock sculptures on. Uh, Disputed land. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's America. It's there everywhere, these guys. So how can one not celebrate President's Day every day? You know, even if you're not rolling out the red carpet, having a parade every single day, eating some cherry pie or whatever, <laughs> uh, you are at the very least, you know, uh, in dialogue with these fellows. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> History is a dialogue between the living and the dead, and I'm chatting with these dudes Nonstop, <laughs> night and day. Um, and you know, I think I said it. <laughs> I must have misread. I'm so sorry to the Laredo Chamber of Commerce. Oh yeah, <laughs> but our sponsor is not President's Day. You know, broadly, sort of philosophically, <laughs> our sponsor is specifically the Laredo, Texas Chamber of Commerce. It's been a long episode, you guys. But Laredo um, chose to sponsor Ear Buddies this week, and on this day specifically, on President's Day, as we know it, because they would like to alert the nation that there is a, a better way. Matt, I mean, you, know, you and I have got this on We're celebrating. <laughs> yeah, this is, We're in this is more of an ad read for other people. Yeah. In dialogue, <laughs> right. et cetera, yes. But... Uh, 
Laredo, did you know this, Matt? Laredo, Texas celebrates a full month of President's Day uh, activities. What? I mean... It is what we refer to in Laredo as the Washington's Birthday Celebration, the WBCA. Every... Don't know what the A is there, but don't So every February, for a month, they close the streets. Essentially. (laughs) You're kidding me. I mean, that's amazing. That's how it ought to be done, if not longer. But I did not... I didn't it's, realize the civic religion was that strong in in Laredo. T- tell me more, please. Um, buddy, four hundred thousand attendees annually in Laredo just to celebrate old George and Martha and the crew. Uh, they throw listen two parades, uh, a Society of Martha Washington colonial pageant and ball. Mm. Delightful. A Princess Pocahontas pageant and ball. Do you want to talk that about could that be in a detail little, with me? Uh, uh, okay. No. Let's. We'd it's better a real not. maybe. Two yeah. parades, a carnival, an air show, fireworks, and live concerts, and a citywide prom during which many of the Laredo elite dress in colonial attire. Oh, boy. It gets worse, Matt. I'm sorry. Excuse it gets me. better. It gets better. Each year, a prominent Laredo man and woman play the roles of George and Martha Washington. <laughs> what is going on? Did- and I believe they just strut about town, <laughs> shaking hands, kissing babies, saying, hey, it's me, George. <laughs> you might know me as, you know, uh, Kevin, who owns the car dealership down the road. But, but this month, I would prefer the whole you month. I'm not taking off George. this wig or these wooden teeth. I'm George. <laughs> wow, Tim, I'm not. I was not familiar with Laredo's game here. Did did Thomas Jefferson found Laredo, Texas? How? Why? Why the love here? Why the admiration? Well, why not the love and admiration? I guess that's what yeah. we're saying here. There's nothing. There's nothing unique. You know. There's. I mean. Nothing separates Laredo from any other town on Route 66 or wherever. It's just, it's... It's their... It's just a group of people who understand what matters in life. It does sound like that. That is so... Tim, America's not in good shape right now. No. And And how. But to know that there is an oasis, a bastion of, of true... Patriots who yes. are spending, I assume, millions from the the city budget to well it seems to, to make this happen for a month out of every calendar year just for the love of the game, for the love of of the president, the old boys. Matt, how do we say? It's not quite this, but one out of every twelve days on a calendar year. In Laredo, Texas, is spent in celebration. Yes, it's set aside for the sacred, the cherry pie and the and the baseball of it all. Right? That's <laughs> wow. And I'm sure, like, wow, that. I wish this had been more. I wish this was more publicized because you know, Tim. I've been saying since I've known you that mm-hmm. President's Day ought to be. 
it ought to be like Christmas for an American. It ought to be more exciting, right? Because you have you have yeah, I have been saying that. So to know that there is one group of true pure Americans um, still putting in the time and the effort and the money. Uh, that warms the yeah. cockles. It really does. <laughs> right. And so what the Laredo Chamber would like to offer to all of us. <laughs> sure, is, yes. Is, you know, they're saying, listen, l- l- listen, Washington's birthday celebration has been, w- this started in 1898, Matt. And we're not expecting every municipality in the nation to somehow throw a month-long festival, you know, do the whole uh, pageant and ball thing and two parades, air show, fireworks, carnival, concerts, etc. 400,000 attendees. You start small, you know? You do what you can with what you have where you are. That's (laughs) that's Theodore Roosevelt. And how? And And you acknowledge... That the piddly way you are celebrating Washington's birthday, President's Day, it's insufficient. Open your heart to that. Admit it. It's okay. You're not alone. Millions of Americans uh, have the same mm-hmm. deficiency. We, I mean, we all fall short. Even in Laredo, everyone's fallen short. You know, all we can do is strive to be better. That's what George did what Martha did it's what every it's what every one of those guys did <laughs> as president they, they tried to be a little bit better and that's what you can do instead of acknowledging it with a, a song or a prayer like you do now call a friend Tell them the story of President's Day. <laughs> Not everyone knows the story. Man. Yes. The real story. Not this commercial nonsense. No, the, yes, the, 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 the real heart, soul, the, grit of it all. The reason for That's the right. Yes, this, there is so much you can do to, to raise awareness. I mean, cross the Delaware. <laughs> Buy a powdered yes. wig. Ch- don't chop down a cherry tree. Don't, yes. Or do, but admit it. <laughs> Stop lying. <laughs> some examples. Not There are more, but those are some. Those are just some, right. Uh, so do yourself this civic favor. Your, your nation will thank you, and chances are your community and your neighborhood will thank you as well, because what you will be doing is... Growing awareness and love in your own heart. Laredo's Chamber of Commerce asks you to not ask what your country can do for you, but etc. It's the Laredo Chamber of Commerce. Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Welcome to a brand new segment, Matt, that 
You know, listen, when we were uh, in the initial strategy meetings for Ear Buddies in the real pitch sessions back in the day, no bad ideas, uh, <laughs> we threw, a, we bandied about a lot of segment ideas that have never seen the light of day, including this one. And why hadn't we done it before? There was no need. Now, good heavens, there's a need. Welcome to... Is it Orwellian? Tim, I'm so glad we're doing this one. It's been on my heart uh, for quite some time. Mm. Not not just because the, the title is so snappy. <laughs> but largely, it, <laughs> well, it helps. It helps. It helps. Matt, the big game. You were there. I was there, front row. Yep. 50-yard line, there was Matt. (laughs) Watching the big game. Watching the Usher halftime show, the Apple Music halftime show. Sponsored by Pepsi. (laughs) Yes, exactly. In which uh, Usher came out, did his thing, sounded great. You know, brought us all back. All the millennials were just... Hooting and holler, and it was very good. And you know how these things go, Matt. The Super Bowl halftime show—you've got like eleven minutes to leave a mark, and they all—they love trotting out some special guest artists. Usher trotted out Alicia Keys. She's in red. She looks amazing. She's sitting at a red grand piano. It looks incredible. The visuals, crazy. And there she is. And the very first note we hear Alicia Keys sing is a little warbly. She kind of, yeah, it. she just has to find her voice for a second. And then she is fully launched into If I Ain't Got You. But that first, that first little bit, you watch it live and you say, huh, she, you know, she's human after all, right? Well, Matt. When the performance was uploaded to YouTube by the NFL and by Apple Music, there was no sign of a vocal flub. It's like it didn't even happen. Mm. That feels, dare I say, Orwellian. Matt, listen. I had to look at the calendar. I had to say, what year is it? (laughs) Surely it's not 1984. I could have sworn it was 40 years later. And yet, what happened? What's, Matt, this is kind of crazy, right? It's, uh, it got cleaned up in post a live performance that, you know, some hundred million people were watching live. Um, now if you go back and watch it, it's, it's different. It's, it's better. It's more perfect. There's, so then, there's no yeah. So there's no official record of this flub, of the actual right, and and versions of the performance with the flub are getting like copyright takedowns and getting yanked off the internet. Whew. You essentially can't find it anymore. That's Big Brother. <laughs> he's he is watching. I think he's certainly listening, and he's got his melodyne, his his auto tune. <laughs> turned up 
what do we think about this, Matt? Is Alyssa, I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear. It, it is Orwellian. It is Orwellian. Uh, so we've answered the question of the segment, but let's talk about this a little bit. Isn't this kind of kind of a curious move, or, or does this make sense to you? What do you think? No, Tim, nothing makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> not anymore. No, not, <laughs> not in this brave new world. That's a different, right. different segment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tim, I think it's, uh, in a word, bad. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. like, man... People are commenting about this, of course, yeah. and by and large, don't seem to be that pleased with the decision. Mm-hmm. And and why would they be? I mean, you are. Yeah. We are being sold a a an alternate reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Tim, this particular thing is very tiny, right? Like it's a little. It is it's a little blip, but I mean. Have you read 1984? That's how it starts. <laughs> That's how it starts. This is worth being uh, a little gruntled about uh, for two reasons, actually, I think. Because there's the musical side of it, which is, oh, come on, come on. Is it a big? Is it really a big deal that she cracked a little bit on her very first note? It's a live performance. It's... I I watched it, I heard it, like I said, I heard it live, and my genuine first reaction, pal, was I love that she's singing live. This would have been so this would have been so easy to lip sync to. A lot of, a lot. I mean, Super Bowl halftime shows, you think everyone's singing those for real? No. Or no any no, show. Notoriously, these are these are highly controlled situations. Yes. So, yeah, great. I'm like, amazing. Should come, yeah. come out and do it. Do it for real. Yes. Yeah, like, thank you for showing, uh, you know, young artists around the world that, like, these things happen. It's not a big deal. Um, but then, so, okay, it's just from a musical perspective, like, it's silly to have to to feel the need to edit this. And I don't know if it was Alicia Keys' people who said, go fix that right now. I don't want to ever hear that again. That's possible. Um, but, yeah, from the from the sort of uh, 1984 of it all, it's kind of, like, crazy that this is not an original thought, Matt, but I read someone else say, like, 10 years from now, we're going to be having heated arguments saying, no, I'm pretty sure I remember a flub there. Yeah, it's going to be, that's where the Mandela effect comes this from. This is a, the government's changing everything. This on is us. like a true Mandela effect situation. Like the official record everywhere you look is going to say, no, 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 she didn't goof up her vocal for one note. But the truth of it is that she she did. But what is truth, Matt? Oh. Hmm? Do we have time? Let's sit <laughs> let's sit on that for a second. Oh. What is truth? Exactly. Hard to say. <laughs> Hard to say. Oh, man. This is Orwellian. This is biblical. It's goofy is what it is. It's just sort of a goofy thing to do if if you're 
the NFL if you're Apple Music. It's not a big deal. Man, I love Big Brother. (laughs) Normally, Matt, I would ask you to say more, but in this case, I don't think I will. We gotta, I think we gotta uh, stop the podcast. (laughs) For now. Yeah, the big, (laughs) yeah, Big Brother's listening to our show right now and he does not like what he hears. Talk to you later, buddy. Talk to you later, pal.